Welcome to the Jesus Collective Podcast. We're a network that exists to provide relationships and resources to amplify a Jesus-centered movement, and we seek to embody a more hopeful vision of following Jesus in our cultural moment. Join us as we learn from those who are looking to live out a greater Jesus centricity in their areas of leadership and mission. If you're new to Jesus Collective, welcome. Check us out on social media or at JesusCollective.com for ways you can connect to this growing movement. Okay, let's get into today's podcast. Well, welcome to what we're calling season two of the podcast. Uh, my name is Paul Walker, and I'm one of your hosts here on this podcast. You might have heard me in our previous podcast where I interviewed the Jesus Collective core leadership team. Now, if you haven't heard that podcast yet, I'd encourage you to go check that out. It was a few sessions ago. So uh, do the thing that you need to do on your podcast provider and go check that one out. Uh, Today, I wanted to take a moment uh, to just kind of help transition us into this next season of the podcast. Um, because we're in a new season. And part of this new season at Jesus Collective is learning to uh, empower and equip our partners that are leaning in. And part of this is uh, myself being asked to take on this podcast, which I was really excited to say yes to. But I just knew I couldn't do this alone. I needed a co-host because I bring a particular set of skills but not the whole package. And so I reached out to someone that I was like, this person is not me. And that person is Shauna Boren. She's here with me on the podcast today. Say hi, Shauna. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. I'm glad that uh, I complete you, Paul. Together we are complete. You complete me. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So we wanted to take this podcast and kind of ask the question, like, who is Paul Walker? who is Shauna Bourne, because we're going to be kind of asking a lot of questions uh, in the upcoming Mm -hmm. episodes. And we thought like, let's, let's start out with getting to know each other, you know, before we go Mm -hmm. into uh, podcasts steady, before we go steady in our podcasts, let's, uh, let's, this is like the first date uh, with, uh, with you, the viewing audience. This is not Shauna. Yes. Uh, No. We're both married (laughs) to different people. Yes. Happily. Married to different people that we enjoy dating. It's true. (laughs) Those other people. Okay. Okay. That's a good clarification. uh, Maybe, Sean, I'll throw it over to you. You can kind of like take us in the direction wherever you want to go with this. Yeah. So I think we want to share a bit of our story. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so you guys, like Paul said, so you guys kind of know who we are. Uh, So I'm in the States. I'm in the U.S. And, um, I currently am living in Minnesota. Love it. It is my home, but I did not always live in Minnesota. I grew up actually in Texas, uh, in Houston, Mm. Texas. And yeah, we've been in Minnesota all told for, I think about 16 years now, but, um, story didn't start there, of course. Mm. So yeah, I grew up in Texas and, uh, my parents, were pastors so good old pk here all the good the bad and the ugly that comes with that maybe some uh some trauma no 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 <laughs> trauma just things just things i didn't know that about you right? shauna i did not yeah. know you were a pastor's kid you are the most well-balanced pastor's kid i've ever talked to <laughs> well thank that is a huge compliment paul thank you yeah so um I would say that's, of course, I feel like where 
I came to know Jesus. I grew up um, in the church and I understood what it meant to follow Jesus, to obey Jesus. Um, I would say fear Mm. Jesus a bit. And so um, knowing that he was lovely and beautiful, but knowing that I was wretched and horrible and he loved me anyway, I would say that would kind of sum up my early Jesus story. And in all honesty, it wasn't until I got married in my early 20s and then my husband and I began a journey of discovering how we wanted to serve the Lord together for ourselves apart from where we were in Houston, um, we felt led to come up to Minnesota to be a part of where I am now, Woodland Hills Church. And then I, there was, I don't want to say necessarily deconstructing, but definitely refining mm. and some, some paradigm shifting uh, of what it looked like for me to have a full, vibrant, healthy, whole relationship with Jesus. And I know we're going to get into like kind of what we're up to these days. Um, but before we do that, Paul, I think it'd be fun for the people to hear about you and where your story starts. Yeah, well, my story starts uh, with my birth. I was very young when I was born. Yeah, and when you were born. As, as, as you are. But I was actually like born into this really, I would say, um, messy messy reality because when I was born essentially my mom was in the process of getting a divorce Mm -hmm. Uh, she left my biological father which I've never met um, Mm -hmm. with her two um, my two older sisters and we ran and why did we run why did my mom like you know ditch it and and like get out of dodge well it's mm-hmm. because she discovered there was abuse and, and the mm-hmm. worst kind of abuse, it was sexual abuse. And mm-hmm. that kind of like rocked our family. Like mm-hmm. I, I grew up living in government housing. I grew up in mm-hmm. a very context of like extreme brokenness. And, yeah. and my mom too, like, like part of her story, which interestingly enough is still part of my story in some ways is, Absolutely. Is after she like discovered this bombshell, she really started like really drinking and like, mm. yeah, for her, she she was like trying to numb the pain. It was, mm. it was a lot of yeah, a lot of just hurt, a lot of processing, and and so I kind of grew up in this context where the, my exposure to exposure to church was very different than yours, Shauna. Mine was, I got sent to a church up the block because my mom was like too hungover to take care of us. And she'd be like, she'd get my older sisters to gather us all up. And like, we would, we would walk the couple blocks and go to this church. And I remember thinking like, these people are awesome. Cause they're always so excited to see us. I'd like sit in Sunday school. And then sometimes I would sit day for like the main service, but usually after the joy of Sunday school, I would just walk back home. And I did that for years until one day my mom, like walked with us one day mm. and she walked to this church. She was wearing a leather jacket and she kind of like had this like posture of like, come on, come at me. Like, just give me one reason not to like you guys. And mm-hmm. like, I-, I met the pastor at the time, his name's Pastor Dave Postal. And he told me years later that on the first day my mom walked into that church, he said he just felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to her, don't, or whisper to him, don't stop loving this woman. Mm-hmm. And like, so I have this like probably abnormal story. I think a lot of people I talk to 
it's like this the story of their interaction with the church can sometimes be a bit um clouded there can be a bit of hurt there Mm -hmm. but for me Mm -hmm. it was like man I don't know where I would be without the church because these people like they acted as like father figures in my life they they literally loved us and and like through that my mom like went to AA she met my stepdad like there there was this huge healing and so the kind of Mm. the story of my life is like okay I've seen what Jesus can do in my life and I was like, I, I guess I'm just going to follow this Jesus wherever, mm-hmm. wherever he's going to take me. And, and so, yeah, I, at a young age, I went off to Bible college after high school, um, met my wife there. Classic story with that. And we've been serving in different contexts for the last like 12 years. So it's, it's been a ride. But yeah, right now, wow. I'm in Winnipeg. I serve as the teaching pastor at a church called The Meeting Place. We're downtown in this Canadian Arctic city. So there you go. And I'm <laughs> okay, like, Paul Walker. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, buddy, I didn't realize we were going to go that deep. I was kind of keeping it sweet and surfacey. So now I feel like I have to say you and I have more in common than maybe you realize. Oh, because yes, okay. yes, I was okay. raised by pastors. I, I was a PK, but that wasn't until I was 13 years old because oh. I was adopted at 13 because, oh. um, yeah. See, we're getting to know each other. Dear listener, if you're listening in, like we're diving deep here. Yeah. Well, you started it, bud. You like just went full bore. So here Mm. we go. No, but, but I should say thank you for that. Um, Mm. But yeah, we have more in common than you think. Um, I was being raised by a single mother. Um, There was um, just, of course, neglect there and abuse there and um, can't imagine being a single mother in, in her situation. But the way in which I met my parents actually was because of the small Baptist church down the road after we had literally, uh, she, my mother had remarried. So I had a stepfather that doesn't sound like anything like your stepfather was. He was, he was pretty, he was pretty awful. Mm. And so, um, and there was abuse there. And so literally fleeing from him, uh, moved to a different part of town and there was this little Baptist church up the road and they had a food pantry. And um, my mom had me call to see if they could help us with food. And so this couple came out to bring us food and they noticed, you know, that I was kind of young, a young girl and thought, why not? And just invited me to come to Wednesday night church. And so I started going to Wednesday night church and just started going to church. And um, that's where I met the folks that would become my parents. So, um, wow. yeah. Okay, so I have to ask, like, and and feel free to like decline, but like, how did you go from that situation of like experiencing abuse, all that, to like these people you meet become your adopted parents? Like, what happened there? Gosh, it was a process of a few years of, um, you know, still staying with my mother, still being in great dysfunction and need, her taking the stepdad back, and just a lot of stuff happening there. Um, eventually one night I just ran away cause it was, I was probably, you know, 12 years old, snuck oh. out my bedroom window and ran away just because I couldn't take it anymore. Um, and some people within the church heard what had, what was going on with me. And so different ones of them, like would put me up for a few weeks here, there. And yeah. And so then at one point I went to a children's home for about nine months and during the time I was there. The woman who taught my little, it was called GAs, Girls in Action, my little uh, 
Wednesday night uh, girls Bible study. Um, the woman who taught that she and I had become very close and she had kept in touch with me. And um, she knew what was going on with me, but she had also just recently gotten married and she had felt that the Lord had spoken to her. The spirit had spoken to her that I was to be, I was going to be hers, but she didn't know what that meant because she was, she wasn't married didn't necessarily ever. Yeah. So she got married and, and during the time it was about nine months. Like I said, that I was at this children's home, her and her new husband would come up and visit me. And we just kind of started relationship. And it was actually her husband who said, let's go get her. Like this is mm. like enough of her being there. And so, yeah. So literally it was like on my 13th birthday um, when they, yeah, I think they had to go and like find my birth mother and have her just sign over guardianship type thing. And they came and got me and brought me home. And Whoa. that was that. <laughs> and that's curious. He said it was nine months. I'm like, well, that kind of sounds like a birth, a birth. That, that's yeah. so curious. Yeah. And forever thankful, of course, forever thankful for, for my family, for my parents and just what all that, um, meant for my life and the trajectory you know totally uh shifted gears there and two went to bible college after high school and then university and didn't meet my husband until i was back um working in my church with my family with my parents little baptist um, church pastor uh, a different church but yeah yeah, kind of come out of that but yeah working with my family it was the single youth pastor, single young female youth pastor. So I wasn't called a youth pastor at the time. I was probably like the youth leader or something. Um, but yeah, met my, met my husband, met Scotty and yeah, got married. And then, then that's where that story picks up of us trying to figure out and discern for ourselves yeah. and for us to serve Jesus, which led us to Minnesota and Woodland Hills church. We were actually, he was the one hired first. Okay. Um, yeah, as the community pastor, and um, I kind of needed a break and just said, I want to be invisible. <laughs> I just would like to not be known or seen, and I just would like to just kind of heal. Mm. You know, young mom, you had two little boys at the time, and um, yeah, just needed some space. But we moved up, I think it was in July or August, and by like three months later, I was on staff at the church. So Wow. <laughs> the anonymity didn't last long but i've loved it it's been great so I, right now i serve as the engagement pastor at Woodland so Hills. Cool. yeah wow okay so i uh, there's so many pieces of your story that like i didn't know that about you and um, i wonder nor did i about you yeah and it's it's curious that when we relate to people like we can relate through pri- primarily through the context we first meet them in right like i know you as oh Shauna's on staff at Woodland Hills. We met each other through the Jesus Collective. And to know that, that yeah, that Jesus has been so at work in your life and so at work in, in some pretty dark areas. I think that's, it makes me curious how many stories am I missing out because I just relate to people in, in the moment. And yet when, when you take a right. moment to just ask a few questions, it's like, wow, like there's, there's a lot going on there. Absolutely. I think we meet people in a space and time and that's how we engage them because that's how we we've met them and relate to them. 
but sometimes it takes vulnerability on our part, right? Mm. To open that door for vulnerability on their part and just taking time to ask questions. Like you said, Mm. look at us. We're modeling something here. We're modeling the way. (laughs) Oh, Okay. So tell us a little bit, Paul, about your work at the meeting place mm-hmm. and meeting place. um did that so did that play into your arrival at what we're going to call the jesus centered approach or had you arrived there prior to uh your involvement with the meeting place yeah so i'm the teaching pastor there as i already mentioned and um i've been on staff here for about five years i originally started in the role as like pastor of adult ministries so i was looking after like life groups and and things like that and occasionally teaching and then during the pandemic I shifted into this uh teaching role which is just like my jam it's my peanut butter and jelly I love it it's great um but as far as like how I arrived at this Jesus uh centered approach it actually happened way sooner um Mm. actually happened in bible college of all places imagine that um and I had this I had this just incredible professor his name is and I'm not kidding. His name is Dr. Martini, so which is great. And I also had another <laughs> professor called Dr. Beach. He was my Old Testament prof. And so I'd, I would occasionally see them chatting in the hallway. And it's like, okay, there's a Martini and there's a beach. The beach. But so we had a Martini <laughs> at the beach. Um, and, but curiously, it was like a Pentecostal Bible college at that time. They've since become... Uh, multi-denominational so like we couldn't joke about booze that's for sure uh you the kind of the motto in a pentecostal college is like don't drink don't smoke or chew don't or smoke yeah or go with girls that, do. girls that yeah. do yeah yeah so yep. that's a whole nother conversation but anyway i was in this gospels course with dr martini and we were walking through the sermon on the mount and we get to this section in chapter five where where Jesus says, like, love your enemies. And so we're having discussion around it. And I remember just kind of saying, but Jesus, I mean, he's not against, like, dropping bombs, right? And fighting wars, right? Like, this is just, like, in your heart. (laughs) And I remember my professor, Dr. Martini, he turned to me and he's like, is that what it's saying? Like, Mm. ask yourself a deeper question. And he wouldn't let me off the hook. And that just like, it was like, as soon as I pulled that string of, okay, Jesus teaches me to love my enemies. What does this mean? It started unraveling uh, a whole nationalistic kind of assumed perspective. Um, It was sort of like the linchpin of many of the like more conservative evangelical beliefs I was handed. And so I kept, I kept saying, well, I want to follow Jesus. So I kept going deeper and deeper into it and discovering that, that perhaps the Jesus that I knew had a, a very different way of working in the world than I had assumed. And, and mm-hmm. so that started me on a journey where, where I, I met a couple of friends and, and, and just kept digging into that. Um, fast forward to a couple of years, I'm a youth and young adults pastor in England, just outside Newcastle in a little community called Morpeth, which is Mm. Or for your listeners that are listening in, it is where NT Wright was born. And so when I connected with NT Wright on this, uh, he, he would tell me all sorts of stuff about his upbringing in Warpath. But I remember, side note, this is a rabbit trail. My first ever sermon I preached in Warpath, 
I referenced N.T. Wright and one of the old deers in front of the congregation said, don't you mean Tom? <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, this is so oh. curious, right? And like, oh, they, wow. they, they took the mick out. They're like, never call him N.T. Wright. He is just Tom. He grew up here. He broke that window, that kind of type, that kind of stuff. So it kind Love of it. humanized him. That is fantastic. So anyway, there I am in the UK. I have all these convictions. I'm listening to people like Greg Boyd. At, like so we both have that in common mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm reading lots of books I, I basically have become what some people might call like an Anabaptist and whatnot and and through circumstances and and the way things work out I meet Stuart Murray he's part of the UK Anabaptist network and he wrote this book called The Naked Anabaptist where he's mm-hmm. talking about this Jesus-centered way and I'd recommend that book to anyone that's listening in, but it really just helped me kind of land. And so when that church we were working at had a budget crisis and we were moving back to Canada, I decided I'm going to go work at like a more of a Jesus centered church. Like I want to step away from, because I was raised in a Pentecostal context at that time, Mm -hmm. Pentecostals in Canada were very dispensationalist. They had some you know pretty strong views about the rapture and kind of things like mm-hmm. that a lot of stuff mm-hmm. I had walked away from years ago and I knew I couldn't work in that context with integrity so I went yeah. and worked in a small town Mennonite church and I discovered this whole other side that wasn't as cool as just kind of the stuff I had found in the UK I found that in some ways it had become an ethnic group and a cultural group and less a religious or sort of belief system. And so I still found that I was searching. And so that's where like groups like the Jesus Collective, they're trying to capture that energy of putting Jesus Mm -hmm. at the center and even more our work at trying so desperately and hard not to become a monoculture that that I get to interact with some of the the voices around the table uh, that I wouldn't otherwise sitting here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, it's so meaningful to me because I think like the church is global and our, our Jesus looking God, our Jesus at the center is Jesus everywhere in the world. And so when I, when I get to hang out with, with like yourself, Shauna, who's, you know, in the States, or I think about a few of our other friends, it's like, I get, Mm -hmm. I get a picture of what God's up to in the world. I'd be curious. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's the best. I'd be curious about like, I'm going to kind of double click on what you said about like, you called it maybe deconstruction, but more like a refinement. Like Mm -hmm. you come from this context, we'll call it quasi-Baptist, maybe evangelical. And you come to Greg Boyd's church, which like, I mean, I've been listening to Greg for years. Like such such a treasure right and also a yeah. fellow leader with ADHD so it's like yeah mm-hmm. I can for some reason really relate to him um yeah but, but can you tell me a bit about your own sort of like longings and pursuing of what a Jesus looking uh, movement is like like how did you land there why was this important for you absolutely yeah so but like I said the church that I I say grew up in. So yeah, from 13 on it, it started actually as a Southern Baptist church and pretty quickly when my dad started, um, took on the pastorate role there, we transitioned to a non-denominational church. My father growing up in a castle, 
Um, and so anyway, we transitioned to a non-denominational church, more charismatic for sure. And that was very uh, healthy in a lot of ways. It really uh, taught me. I grew up with this uh, just knowing of the Trinity and a leaning into the things of the spirit and just being very aware of the aliveness of who God is. Um, but then at the same time, and I'm not saying this is what I was taught because I don't want to put that on other people, but what I took in was a definite, like, yes, Jesus is loving, but also God has a purpose and a plan. And if you fall out of that purpose and plan, then you, then, you know, you are giving yourself over to consequences. Let's just put it mm. that way. Consequences that aren't always great. And so if you're doing all the right things and blessing, 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 blessing. And if you're not, then no blessing consequences, you know, uh, just a lot of, of, um, bad stuff. And so when my husband and I were feeling kind of a different tug on our hearts, feeling led to go in a different direction, um, he had interacted with Greg Boyd um, up here in Minnesota and had actually come up and consulted uh, their church leaders by there, I mean, Woodland Hills, their church leaders on, you know, uh, group stuff and community engagement stuff and, mm -hmm. and everything. And so he had had a relationship with Greg and Paul and some of the other staff at Woodland Hills. And when, and one of the pastors that uh, oversaw the, um, the community groups, the small groups, he and Scott had a good relationship and would talk frequently and pray for one another. And when um, he had heard, I believe from, I'm sure from Scott, that we were um, in a process of discerning and just in a season of trying to figure out what was next. Um, he really felt like, and, and, and leaders before this time had always kind of joked with Scott about, you guys need to be up here in Minnesota with us and let's do this stuff together. And he was like, my wife will never come this far north. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. I'll, just, I'll pause there. I like how he blamed his wife. Like, isn't that yeah. just great? Uh, I may For be guilty sure. of that at times. Yep. It's what y'all do. Y'all do it so lovingly, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, he was just like, my wife will never come up here. So anyway, uh, long story short, just things began to align. It looked like we would be coming to Minnesota. Um, and Greg, I remember my husband Scott was on the phone with Greg as they were talking about the possibility of us coming up there. And Scott's like, my wife has never even met you. She's never talked to you. I just need you to have a conversation with her. And so I get on the phone with this dude and I hadn't read any of his stuff, hadn't heard any of his sermons, nothing. And I just knew how much my husband had enjoyed uh, his work with, with Greg and Woodland and how much she seemed to align with the theology seemed to align with things that um, where my husband was. And so a lot of trust there, but I remember getting on the phone and Greg's like, Hey, why don't you just come up and let's just dance. Let's just see what happens. And I'm like, <laughs> Hey, weirdo. So, anyway. Yeah. We came up and just kind of spent a few days up here and just felt really, really, really good about making Minnesota our home. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like I said, I initially had zero interest in working for the church and just kind of needed a break. I kind of, been in church, you know, and, and worked and, and, and where I come from was a, as a smaller church. So like say less than 400 people, maybe more like 
anyway, less than 400 people. So it was really like everyone knew everyone. And there was just a lot of activity. There was Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Saturday night prayer meetings and all these things that were um, that like as a as a member of the staff, as a member of the pastoral family, you know, had to be at all the things. And so I just was really tired and mm. burnt out. And like I said, new mom, so just needed a break. And um, a few months after arriving in Minnesota, a staff person on our at Woodland had a really bad accident and was going to uh, have to take medical leave. And they were just looking to fill holes, actually in the children's department, um, looking mm. to fill holes just to kind of help cover um, this person's, uh, some of their tasks. And so that's how I kind of came in as a kind of help in a pinch as a temporary employee yeah. and, then, and then became the, the volunteer coordinator and then became the associate pastor over small groups and community life connecting. Mm-hmm. And then, and yeah, um, did some young adult stuff. And then, then, um, now I'm the engagement pastor there. And I would say, Yes, I don't think I had to go through deconstruction necessarily because I always knew that I loved Jesus and I always knew that he was good, but I definitely had to kind of work through some of, let's just say, the Old Testament um, pictures of who God was. Mm-hmm. And at Woodland Hills, one of the things that is like our bread and butter, like one of the foundational core things for us is really encouraging folks to really engage uh, their picture of God and what is it that you think of when you when you imagine God and that's what shifted for me is, um, is recognizing that God, it wasn't separate from Jesus. I knew this, but it's just to kind of formulate that for myself and in my heart, God wasn't, God wasn't one version of Mm. himself. And then Jesus was, you know, this other, like they are one in the same. And so to get a true full revelation of who God is, I look to Jesus and Jesus on the cross. And that's something that Paul Eddy and Greg have taught over again, that, that um, Jesus is others oriented, self-sacrificial love. That's who he is. And he and the father are one and that's who God is. And so everything needs to be looked at through that lens. And so it was a lot of Jesus center language. I didn't even know that that's what it was called. I just knew that it made sense. And I knew that it was freeing some things within me um, and within my my husband and our, and our family. It just was really, it just felt like the Jesus that I, that I loved um, and I didn't have to fear. And it just kind of gave permission and open space to just dive in fully and explore, explore it all, all of who he is and all of what it meant to serve and love him. And and with that came the freedom to just pursue um, him in, in new and fresh ways and be open to his leadings. Um, and so then, yeah, when, when Jesus Collective happened, I feel like our 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 senior pastor, Greg, had some connections with uh, the church that was really foundational in bringing out um, or launching the Jesus Collective. And so there was some relationships there between our two churches. And so when some of the uh, online learning collectives started and some of the learning opportunities started during the pandemic and things yeah. were kind of, everything was moving online, it was just a natural um, on-ramp to, to get more plugged in for myself. And I'm so glad that I did because we have met, like you said, mm. so many folks who you just, you wouldn't know are out there if we didn't have this network to bring us together. I mean, I'm very thankful for my church. I'm very thankful for the people in my church, but it's so refreshing to know that there are other brothers and sisters, a part of this 
this thing that mm. we're so passionate about. Um, and they're all over the world, like you yeah. said, and we get to engage them and meet them and be friends with them. It's just been really cool. Yeah, I think I'm always amazed that when I when I meet folks from around the world, that the way Jesus has been at work in their life have just been so similar. Oh, my dog is barking. There you go. Uh, yeah, so it's it's just so, it's amazing. Like I would describe like there is a movement out there of, of people that are looking for for more Jesus looking God uh, that have learned the truth that Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father Mm -hmm. and much of the shaking of these last years, um, everything that can be shaken has been shaken. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think this hopefully for me, I think like this is the positive out of it, that these shakings are are good for the church uh, that, that she needs to, fall in love with her first love again uh, and be the pride and all those kind of things. So maybe I'll ask you this question. What are just like really quickly, like what are some really good takeaways for you with your involvement in the Jesus Collective? What has it done for you uh, mm. that, that's just been life-giving? Yeah, I would say the people, number one, just people I've gotten to meet and engage in conversation with and get to know on varying levels. And number two, it's been really cool because you would think, you would think, like I remember being at Unite and just like seeing people in person for the first time and hugging necks and just being like, oh my gosh, it just felt like instant um, camaraderie and, and, you know, kinship. You would think that we all were a part of the same like core organization or church and we're not. And we come from a variety of backgrounds and guess what? We don't all see things the same way. Like we haven't all arrived mm. um, at, at, at the same perspective on a variety of things, but that's okay. Cause like what we focus on is, is Jesus yeah. at the center Jesus and not kind of, yeah. Right. That like overrides everything. And you always hear people say, agree to disagree, but this isn't that this is like, you're my brother. I love mm-hmm. you. We're not always going to like land on the same page, but that doesn't mean that we don't love one another and love Jesus. And that's what's at the core of it all. So I think that's been the biggest takeaway for me, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, there's because few, there's few spaces like that these I days, know. right? Because so many I of know. the ways that like we form community th- these days are based on like algorithmic selection. It's like, mm-hmm. you like this and I like this. You vote for this person and I vote for that person. It's just like, we have to agree. And that becomes the basis of relationship. Whereas like, I what I love about the Jesus Collective is collective is exactly what you said is like we don't have to agree on everything and it's actually it's far more freeing far more just like gracious and Mm -hmm. it puts the right things at the right place which is absolutely well and and it's also really quickly just to like put a exclamation point on what you were just saying it's taught me to have grace for myself because I remember who I was when I lived in Texas, and it was like God in the country and my right to, not that I ever did, but my right to bear arms and my, you know, like just the, the nationalism and all of that, that was just, I just, it's not that I like was all about it, but it's just what I was, it was the water that I swam in and I was yeah. super used to it and I just didn't assume anything different. And to have that journey out of that and it, it'd be a very different person now, it is being a part of the Jesus Collective has taught me to have grace for my previous self and mm. also for those who are in a different place in their journey. Yeah. Um, because we focus 
and we're going to sound like broken records because we're always going to keep saying Jesus at the center, but that's what it's about. Like to focus on Jesus at the center has really just opened up a whole world for loving people well and not judging people. So good. Okay. I think we should end our time today with a little lightning round. Are you in favor? Lightning round. Lightning round. (laughs) And uh, I stole this from another uh, place, the inside the actor studio, 10 questions. Uh, I've heard other podcasts do this, but we're going to do this because it's a great way to just get to know people. Um, And so I have 10 questions for you. And I just want to give us your, your quickest gut response to each of these. Are you going to do this too? Or is it just me? I think I'm going to do this after you. Okay, perfect. I'm ready. What's your favorite word? Queso. (laughs) Wait, what? Queso? Like the dip? Yes. Okay, there you go. All right. I don't know. That's what came to mind. Maybe I'm hungry. Okay. Number two, what is your least favorite word? Moist. I hate it. I can't even. I want to gag. Okay, question number three. I don't like it. Uh, what turns you on? Uh, laughter. Question number four. What turns you off? Uh, how do I say this? Um, entitlement. That's good. I like that. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Mm, my kids when they're conversing with each other. Like when they're all four home and just ch- chatting with one another. Ugh, I love it. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, what sound or noise do I hate? I don't, uh, maybe my alarm in the morning. Cool. <laughs> Feel ya. <laughs> okay, question seven. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> Holy hell. There you go. There you go. Uh, number eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I mean, it's not far from, from what I do, but yeah, like a journalist or, but uh, now I'm second guessing myself because of, you know, fake news and the media, but, um, yeah, we'll just stick with that. Some sort of journalist or reporter or something. There you go. Question nine. What profession would you not like to do? Oh gosh. I wouldn't want to be in government. (laughs) No way. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Oh. Okay, last question. Since heaven exists, what would you like to hear Jesus say to you when you arrive? Mm, just, hey, so glad to see you. I yeah. like that. That's great. All right. I turned I turn the mic over to you. You are the right. uh, which I guess you get to be a journalist. So here you go. I do. Ooh, yeah. All right, Paul Walker, what's your favorite word? Mm, I think joy. Nice. That's a good one. What's your least favorite word? I'm going to go with moist as well. We have so much in common. What turns you on, Paul? Um, I would say a lively, in-depth conversation uh, where I learn new things. Good. What turns you off? Mandated fun. Mm, yeah. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, the opening riff to where the streets have no names, where uh, it's a U2 song, yes. where at the edge is like, I could listen to that all day. It's just so good. Yeah. When I saw them in concert before the pandemic, that started and like everyone just goes quiet because you know, everyone goes wild because you know what's common. So good. Yeah. All right. What noise do you hate? I would say an out of tune instrument 
uh, whether it be a voice or a guitar or whatever. If it's out of tune, it just like, it, it pains me. No bueno. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Okay. And we're probably going to have to bleep this, but definitely the word. Yeah. Yeah. There's a story about this. I had a professor that said like, it's a really good word if you use it well. Like he told us a story. This is another YouTube story, but like he's like, just find a good time to use it. Like when Bono was asked, "Who are you part of? The IRA? Are you are you pro Brits? Are you pro separatists? Uh, what about the revolution, Bono?" And Bono said right from the stage, he's like, "The revolution." And I thought like that's a good use of that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm really really frustrated, you'll hear a good. Yeah, this is gonna be fun leaping all these out so that we don't have to make the (laughs) podcast explicit i know of course and the word that we're saying is like fudge right we're we're saying that it is fudge yeah it is absolutely fudge all right uh what profession other than your own would you like to attempt Ooh, i would want to be like one of these like entrepreneurs that that like gets involved in all this like clean energy revolution. I sometimes, Mm. this is crazy. Sometimes for fun, I'll just watch YouTube videos on solar panels and just think this is so cool. That's awesome, Paul. (laughs) I like that. What profession would you not like to do? Hmm, Basically anything where I have to get dirty and use my hands. It's part of because I never had a dad. Um, like carpentry is not my thing. Mm. I find like I can't make things straight um, or like even. I'm just awful with that. But I'm learning since I've become a homeowner. Mm. I'm learning to get good at these things. You know what, Paul? And this is against the rules, but you saying that makes me want to change my answer because I would love to be like great at carpentry. Just oh. to do, the things I see in my brain just to be able to do it myself mm. oh that would be amazing because i have I a lot it. of ideas but yeah I'm like scott can you do this for me now please <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right final question since heaven exists what would you like to hear jesus say when you arrive well i know the right answer and then i'm supposed to stay it's like well done my good and faithful servant <laughs> like obviously but i kind of want to hear jesus say let's get this party started and then like those like yeah. dj noise <laughs> confetti cannons and all that i would i think that would be fun perfect love it that's a great answer paul well i think that's our podcast today uh if you Mm -hmm. if you tuned in and you made it this far like congrats so you get a gold star yeah yeah (laughs) good troopers that you are thank you for tuning in for sure all right here's the keeping jesus at the center take care everyone yeah take care guys Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out JesusCollective.com where you can find more resources and upcoming events, learn about getting involved through partnership, and donate so we can keep offering content like this and engage more people and churches around the world. We'd also love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out to us with your ideas and feedback. You can drop us a message on social media or email us at connect at JesusCollective.com. Until next time.